episode 23, chapter 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Christine Sign is the founder and facilitator for Godspace, which grew out of her passion for creative spirituality, gardening, and sustainability. Together with her husband, Tom, she is also co-founder of Mustard Seed Associates. She describes herself as a contemplative activist, passionate gardener, author, and liturgist. She loves messing with church traditions and inspiring followers of Jesus to develop creative approaches to spirituality that intertwine the sacred through all of life. Christine is inspired by Celtic Christian spirituality, which has opened her eyes to the God who is present in every moment, every experience, and every place. Her book, The Gift of Wonder, Creative Practices for Delighting in God, is a great tool for learning to connect with what God is doing in the everyday moments of your day. In a former life, Christine trained as a physician in Australia, practiced in New Zealand, and developed and directed the healthcare ministry for Mercy Ships. She no longer practices medicine, but delights in guiding people toward the health and wholeness of God's new world. There is so much suffering in the world at large, and even in our own lives, it causes us to question whether or not it's possible to delight in God. How can joy exist in the midst of suffering? And why should we take the time to enjoy God when so many others don't have that luxury? Christine's story speaks to these questions in a very real way, because it was in the midst of suffering when she realized just how important delighting in God really is. The other cool thing about this when we're talking about, uh, you know, practicing delighting in God with others is it starts to bring us back around to that question that we kind of threw out there at the beginning of, um, how can we delight and serve, how can we serve others and delight in God? Because that's really what sort of kicked off this whole question, it seemed, or this whole yes. thought process for you is that you're in the situation with these refugees, these destitute, marginalized people, and yet you come to the realization that somehow I need to delight in God. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit more now about why it is so important to delight in God even in the midst of suffering, because I think we think those two things are opposite. Like one, like we can't delight in God if there is suffering. And you're saying, no, 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 it's the other way around. Yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, what we've tended to do is um, focus on the need. And because of that, we suffer from compassion fatigue, you know, because we can only cope with a certain amount of need. But I think that part of what I'm talking about is that we, in a way, you could say we can look through the suffering. You know, I mean, Jesus says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I think that that's part of what I'm talking about here is that we need to look at either the joy, um, you know, the joy that is set before us, that it makes it possible for us to endure the suffering, to come alongside people in their suffering as well. Um, and sometimes it helps us to look at uh, suffering in a different way too. I, I mean, uh, in, in this the, the chapter that I I talk about compassion, I talk about my friend who um, identified what she called joy spot sh- sightings. Uh, and what she did was that every time she wanted to pray, 
uh, she would sit down and ask God for what she called the Joyswat sightings that were already present in this situation that she wanted to pray for. So, for example, you know, being in refugee camps uh, in the midst of that, you know, you look around, you think, well, what are the Joyswat sightings? And you say, wow, look at all the people that have responded to the needs that are here. Uh, and, it, you know, you, and you, that's a, in some ways a, an easy one to look at. You look at the disasters that happen. And the thing that has absolutely and utterly amazed me is how people will sometimes come from across the world and put their own lives at risk in order to help in the midst of suffering. And I think, you know, it doesn't kind of address the question of why does a God allow suffering? And I think if we get hung up on that question, we'll never get anywhere, you know, because I don't think anybody fully understands. I don't think any of us do. But if we look at what God is already doing, you can say maybe we don't understand why it happens, but what we know is that God is present in the midst of this. God is present in each person that reaches out and responds. Uh, God is present in everybody that gives a loving hand. Uh, you know, these are the joy spot sightings that say, yes, our God is far bigger than the suffering that we see in our world. And I think it totally changes the ways that we respond and, and changes the, the, um, the sense of joy. You know, it changes despair into joy, I think, quite often. I got to read this quote because this is what you said, and I had to write it down because it's <clears throat> it's an incredible way of thinking about this idea that sort of just gets around this whole, if God is good, why does he allow suffering question? And you say, sometimes doubts are intensified because we ask the wrong questions. Uh -huh. Passive questions are destructive, not constructive. Uh, when I blame God, I don't need to respond. So why does God allow suffering sidesteps my responsibility and sometimes culpability in the situation I'm struggling with. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it's, it is it is a matter of perspective in this way. And, and um, you know, you talk to anybody who's gone through uh, difficult seasons of, of life, whether it's a dark night of the soul, a loss of a loved one. Um, I, I lost my mother a few years back to, to suicide, an incredibly hard experience. And yet, like, I can sit here and testify that if I did not pick up the daily habit, the practice of gratitude, of finding something, anything, like you're talking about, the fact that I get to wake up in a bed uh -huh. that, you know, people a hundred years ago would never have been able to sleep in. Like, they would have never had the chance of comfort that I have today. Um, it does. It changes your perspective. And you even talk about it. It, it, it takes our fear and it turns it to love. Yes. Yes. Because we can't we can't have both of those at the same time. We can't be in a state of fear while we're in a state of love. And so if yes. we focus on those positive things like you're talking about, it it does. It draw it's almost like God is inviting us into that story and saying, Look what I'm doing even in the midst of this great suffering. Yes. Yes. Oh, definitely. It it helps us to reframe um our way of looking at life. Um, and as you said, gratitude is such an important aspect of that. Um, and yeah, being, <laughs> I was giving a, a talk just the other day and we were talking about the things we we're grateful for. And I said, I'm grateful for flush toilets, you know, yeah. and every, everybody <laughs> laughed. I said, I'm not joking. I said, I spent enough time without any forms of toilets out there that boy, <laughs> I never give up being grateful for flush toilets, you know, 
and and we need but we can get so hung up on oh you know yeah I wish I had a bigger better bathroom you know I, to be honest I I sometimes really cringe at some of these um re, you know house redo things because so much of the emphasis could be on the bathroom and I think <laughs> you know so it's it's just it's just hard for me you know because I think why not be grateful with the fact we've actually got a bathroom uh and we've got flush toilets in those bathrooms we've got hot and cold water in those bathrooms you know these are the things that make us grateful or should make us grateful yeah. uh, you know absolutely and, uh, it's it's interesting I was reading recently about the impact of the uh wildfires in California on, on many of the survivors and how they feel that their lives have been enriched by the experiences they went through. And I think this is part of it because they've been able to reframe their life, uh, being grateful for what they've got, uh, rather than uh, resenting the things that they wish they had, you know. Yeah. And, and, I mean, yeah. and unfortunately, we live in a culture that keeps telling us um, that, um, you know, we don't have enough, uh, that we need something more. And so I think we need these kinds of spiritual practices to help us stand against those uh, seductive kinds of messages uh, that really do destroy us in so many ways and destroy our relationship to God, you know. Um, how many people do you know that kind of resent God because God hasn't given them this or that or the next thing, you know? When in reality, they have more, like I use the cell phone as my constant anchoring example. like. I carry around in my pocket something that kings throughout the majority of human history would have gone to war just to try to obtain. And I just uh -huh. carry it around and complain that I can't get the new one every year. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We spend so much time thinking that our picture of what's good in life is God's picture of what's good in life. And so it's it's incredible that that God would allow something like wildfires in California to change people's lives and to, to maybe bring them a little bit closer to him. And yet that doesn't align with our image of what a good God would do. And so we think this suffering must not be from God because it's taken away all of our stuff or it's taken away some of our loved ones. And yet at the same time, we don't have that perspective that says there, there are good things in this that God is doing in our lives too. Well, and, and we also, we forget, though, that our, the effects that sin have in our yeah. world, and yes. we, sort of, we, we sort of end up blaming God for those things rather than saying, no, that's actually the point of him sending his son to die so that the kingdom can break into our world, we can do something about these things, and, and it really is, there's a, there's a cosmic, like I'm, I'm referring to a guest that we had on the, uh, the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, Leo Sanchez, where he describes the dramatic model of sanctification of like, yeah. there is this greater drama at play in our lives and we get to be part of it. And uh -huh. so I love this idea though, that of like delighting in God is the best way to combat it. Because if we delight in God, if we're living into that, like our hearts, we, we are transformed into what our hearts desire. And so if that's what we're desiring, then we will continually be drawn towards it. I mean, it's really a fresh idea of 
spiritual disciplines because again like when you when you think about oh, okay i gotta wake up an hour early and pray and read the bible and it's like you, you know you say it like that and that's the way most of us think about it in our minds it's like yeah no wonder like no wonder you don't want to do that <laughs> man when you think about i get to wake up and i'll spend a few moments or for you it's probably more than a few watering my gardens and and walking the house in contemplation and painting some rocks perhaps and meditating on scripture and it's like I Man, get to do that. That's that's a cool thing. Like, uh-huh. who doesn't want to wake up and do that stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or walk around the lake, you know, and, and have this wonderful awe and wonder walk. Or, yeah, I mean, these are the things that uh, um, that I delight in, that I know God delights in as well, you know, uh, and that we do. We do need to reconnect more uh, to this aspect of who God is. Because, you know, how many... Um, paintings have you seen of a laughing god that's good <laughs> you know that's a good it, question that's a good question i think it's so sad you know um we we tend to have these you know sometimes negative sometimes you know just sorrowful god now not that we don't need those we do but we need these other images of who god is as well uh that counter not counteract those but that that really balance them I think, and say, hey, you know, this this God is a God that loves to dance. Uh, you know, you just watch leaves dancing or watch kids dancing around. You know, kids are constantly dancing. And I think, you know, if, if God says we've got to become like children, maybe this is part of what God means because God says, I like doing that, you know. I put, <laughs> I put the dance in your step. <laughs> Use it kind of thing. <laughs> What is the uh, one of the questions we like to ask on the podcast here is uh, what's the most valuable thing you've learned in the Christian life and uh, sort of a way of of coming up with that answer of when you learn something about God or you had an encounter with him and then that sort of forever changed your life. I want to change it and ask a variation of that, though, of like, what has been the most valuable thing you've learned about delighting in God, learning to walk in and enjoy his presence. What has that been for you? Um, well, there are so many things. I mean, and of course, we've already shared some. I, I think that um, God is a God of delight, you know, just blanket. God is a God who delights in me. Um, the, that That was probably... Uh, the biggest thing and the biggest revelation in some ways, because I think like you, I, I grew up with this idea, you, you know, you, you know, generically that God loves you, but to believe that God actually delights in who I am is probably the most revolutionary uh, kind of um, thing that I've learned over the last number of years, you know, and I think uh, I wish I'd learned it in my 20s. <laughs> yeah but i didn't me too <laughs> no that's great it really is freeing once you can get a sense of that because like i said at least for me what it has done for me it is it, it is calling me to become more of my authentic self and as i was journaling this morning i was even wrestling that with that because again i grew up with this idea and, and i mean this idea is true is that i'm sinful i'm a sinful creature. I have sinful desires, and I know my desires, so I'm the first one to say, no, 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 there's nothing good in me. How could God ever delight in me? But understanding the reason why he came, that he is a delighting God, 
And then it says, no, my authentic self is not really the sinful side of me. It's who he's created me to be and who he's transforming me into as I walk in his presence daily. And so I thank you for your book because honestly, I don't know if I, it would have taken me much, much longer to come to that realization <laughs> without reading your book. And, and because it, it really has represented permission, it represented permission to delight in God. And it's a declaration that God delights in me. And that is so incredibly freeing for oh, me. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. Where can people go to pick up a copy of this fantastic book? Well, it's available in a lot of places. I think most bookstores. Uh, I just heard the other day that um, Barnes and Noble has it. it. Obviously, it's available on Amazon. Um, it's also available straight from the publisher, Indivarsity Press. Um, so most outlets would have it available. It is also available through our website, my website, godspacelight.com. Um, though uh, the main reason it's available through there is that I've also produced a set of uh, prayer cards that each of the chapters begins with a prayer. And so I've put those together with some of my photos and we've put a, a small quote on the back. We've made a set of prayer cards that can be used um, as a part of, of, you know, the study of the book as well. And that's only available through um, godspacelight.com. Yeah, and we will have links to all of that stuff in the show notes as always. So if you can't remember or if you think light is spelled L-I-T-E or something like that, then you can go to the show notes and click on it and get it, um, everything that we talked about. Um, Christine, actually, as you're talking about this, I think maybe a cool way to wrap up is if I could ask you to maybe read one of those prayers okay. from from the chapters. And, and you can feel free to choose whichever you'd like. They are some beautiful prayers, and I think it would just be a really nice way for us just to sort of wrap up our conversation here. Let me read this one uh, from the chapter on curiosity because we we're just talking about God who loves to dance and play and things like this. Um, the world dances in wild abandon to the rhythms of God. Let us listen with our ears and look with our eyes to its holy song. It is so ordinary, so simple, yet so powerful, this seeking after God. Every daily act Every jagged rock and babbling brook, every darkened alleyway and fast-paced city street cries out God's voice, begging to be listened to, to be watched, handled, and examined. All is a gift from God. Let us receive with wonder and awe. Christine, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. If you're having a bad day today, or even have had one in the last few weeks, I want to challenge you to think differently about that day and what was happening. In the middle of tremendous suffering, Christine was reminded to look for the good things God was doing. Now, this may sound like just positive thinking, and to an extent it is, but it's more than that. It's about getting perspective on the big picture of how God is at work in the world around you. It's learning to see beyond the sinful and broken world of suffering and to see the world God is transforming as His kingdom breaks down the fallen world we live in. So when you're having a bad day, practice shifting your perspective to what God is doing in that moment. Look for things around you that you can delight in, or that fill you with a sense of awe and wonder. Like Paul says in Philippians 4.8, think about the good things of God. And when you do this, you begin to get a sense of just how incredible God's love is, and just how much he does for you.
How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Christine and her work, check out GodSpaceLight.com. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to DailyGrowthDiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.